0: Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And while you were here, you might as well check out the Leeds Podcast Network where we have six. Yeah, you heard it. Six brand new shows Monday through Saturday, each and every single week. You can listen to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And whenever you listen to them, we are there. We cover the NBA, the WNBA, and we even dip our toes into the NFL. Check us out because we're really good. Memphis 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 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and it's another solo midweek show. Ryan, we gotta let him sleep a little bit, right? He's got things. He's just going and going. Like, that's what he does. He just goes and goes. But I am here, and I'm here to announce that the Grizzlies are playing well without Mr. Morant. No, that does not mean that they need to move on from Ja that this team plays better without Ja I would never say that unlike some people on Twitter but it's a beautiful day and a beautiful morning especially coming off a win in Toronto the Grizzlies won 98 to 91 and it was really really nice they played defensively very well their offense sputtered midway through and They did just enough to kind of stay in the lead wire to wire win. Like, that's what they did. They played well the entire game. They, Like I said, they they did sputter. And we'll talk about that in a second. But let's get into the stats a little bit. Neither team shot well, as you can tell. 98-91. What what a low-scoring game. It was very good defensively, but it was also a little sloppy. 38% for the Grizz, 39% shooting for the, the Raptors. It was okay. Both teams hit 10 three-pointers for, you know, 29% for the Grizz and 25% for the Raptors, which really, that just tells you that Fred VanVleet probably did not shoot well. And that was, you know, one big factor. The Grizzlies, they did continue to rebound. They out-rebounded the Raptors by 10. And then the assist, that's kind of what the issue I'm looking at is with the assist. They had 18 assists. That's not ideal. The last I want to say, one of the last few games, they were putting up thirty plus assists because the ball was moving much more. The ball did not move at all in this game late, and that was kind of the issue. And that's kind of why they sputtered. It's because the ball just kind of stopped moving. It it stopped going right in to the post and then being kicked out, which you know creates movement. Uh, but yeah, coming off the thirty point assist game prior against the against the Kings, this it looked different. Early on, when Tyus was at the helm, he was passing into Steven Adams and getting Steven Adams into the game better. He looks so much better when he's more involved. I'm not saying that the Grizzlies need to get into Steven Adams and actually have him be an offensive threat. No, not at all. He's not that guy. But what that does is that makes their defender, his the center who usually stays back, he actually has to look at Steven Adams and make a thought of, hey, this guy does have the ball. He is a professional athlete, a professional basketball player. He could probably score on me if he really, really wanted to. So I have to be honest and guard him. That's really all that does. And I know that sounds so stupid, but that's the truth. Steven Adams is not a threat offensively. But if you don't guard him, He's going to score. So when you pass him the ball, you have to guard him. When you don't pass him the ball, you can help off of him consistently. And that's what's happening is when you do not get him involved. And even Jaron into the the high post right there, they slack off, which hurts your dribble drive. That's what Dylan Brooks likes to do. That's what Desmond Bain is doing a really good job of as well. And you can go ahead and include D'Anthony Melton in that. Because he did a really good job of that in the second half in that Raptors game. But they have to get Steven Adams more involved at the high post. That's going to be a key factor. And having 18 assists, it's not going to do. And you can say yes because they didn't score. They almost scored 100 points still. Okay? We know they're they're scoring more. They're scoring 110 on average. But they still almost scored 100 points. And you should have more than 18 assists on that. But the rest of the stats pretty much mirrored each other. They looked really good. The Grizzlies didn't have as many points in the paint. And that's really due to the Raptors and their defense. They were slacking off. And the reason is because the Grizzlies were shooting under 30% from beyond the three-point line. But let's look at a little bit of stats and catch you up on this game. Jaron Jackson Jr. played phenomenal. And this was one of those things when you when you look into the book and you see the different chapters of a book and you you kind of get lost in the story a little bit and you you think, what might be? What could be for that character? What could be for this, for this book, this story? The story of Jaron Jackson Jr., we unlocked another chapter, the blocking chapter, where he looked like he stayed on his feet and just had his hand up guarding, which is a beautiful thing. And then when he had to, he got up there and he extended his arm and blocked shot after shot after shot for a total of five blocks in this game. Jaron was a plus 21 when he was on the court for his 34 minutes. That's it's not bad, guys. Not bad at all. 25.6 rebounds. He continues to rebound well. That's the main important thing with him is when he is the main center to which when Steven Adams gets poked in the eye and he has to be helped off the court, you're having to rely on someone like Steven Adams. I'm sorry, not with Steven Adams, but with Jaron Jackson Jr. It was very crucial that he was able to be our center for a good length of time. Steven Adams only played 26 minutes. That's actually ideal for this team because it puts Jaron at the five to which I think Jaron's looking a little bit more stockier. I don't know if people are paying attention to that, but he looks like he's putting on a little bit of weight and he actually wants to rebound the ball. That is very, very good for someone who who has kind of shied away from that and kind of been a perimeter scorer, a perimeter defender. Everything's out on the perimeter, and he just kind of gets lost. Well, he's doing a much better job and and almost averaging six rebounds a game, which is very, very crucial to this team, especially when we want to go small. And when you go small, you're going to put... You know, Kyle Anderson, who had a bad game. You know, he didn't play well. He, he he it was just a down blah game, nothing special. But then someone else you put next to Jerem when they're going small is Brandon Clark. And Brandon Clark has played much better and he has solidified himself in this rotation. Absolutely bar none solidified himself in this rotation for the future. He's here. I don't think they're gonna move off of Brandon Clark, but if they do, it's okay. We're going to get back a piece that is very good. There's no reason that we would get off of Brandon Clark to not get much of anything back. So if they do move off of Brandon Clark, for whatever reason, they would be getting something good back and kind of the consolidation continues because XT is still waiting in the helm. I don't think he's nearly as good when Brandon Clark is playing up to Brandon Clark's standards. So I want to continue to push the button of put, Brandon Clark in. He was in foul trouble in the first half. It was just a you know, god-awful first half. He had three fouls early, early on. Did not play much of anything. and only ended up getting 16 minutes in this game, but he ended with three fouls. That just shows you. It happens. Sometimes you ride with him. Sometimes you don't. But the way the game was going, the Grizzlies lead, Taylor had to make the decision. Go ahead and get him out. Save him for the second half to let him play free. If you let him pick up another foul, you're playing the second half. With two fouls to give, then yeah, that's a problem. It doesn't allow him to play within himself. He had a lot of good putbacks, a lot of good energy to help us win that game when we actually needed it big time in that third quarter. But continue on with our starters. You had 17 points out of Dylan Brooks, five turnovers. That that needs to get better. He looks sloppy with the ball at times. He kind of puts his head down and kind of goes at the basket, like Dylan Ball, Dylan Death Ball as we call it. Continuously passing the ball is what they have to do. I'll speak on that after I kind of read off some of these stats. Tyus Jones, he didn't look great. And I know that's why they kind of went to De'Anthony Melton a little bit down the stretch because Tyus just did not look right. For whatever reason, he just didn't look right. He still had six assists, which is good. But two turnovers is not the, the Tyus Jones style. It's eight assists, zero turnovers like he had in the Kings game. Desmond Bain, the guy looks Absolutely phenomenal. He's starting the game off like a bat out of hell. Like he is coming out of the the game from the start, shooting a shot, getting to the basket. That's really what we have to have. He went silent in the third quarter, which was kind of weird. And it, it was weird that they did not try to get him into the offensive flow. And that's really when Dylan took over. And that's really when we lost the lead as well. But Desmond Bain, 23 points, of five of nine from deep. He's now hit, I want to say, four three-pointers in the last five games, and he might have missed a game there. but, But just paying attention to that, and that's something to pay attention to if you're going to do the betting. His number has been around two and a half, and it's been plus money for over two and a half threes. So tonight against a team like the Thunder, might be a good time to go ahead and take him again because if he's getting up eight or nine three-pointers a game, you want to go ahead and keep riding that train of Debs Bain being hot. The shot is pretty. It's gorgeous. Let it keep going. Let that mother fly, as Taylor Jenkins would say. But I, something I saw as well on Twitter, Grizz Twitter, is people were saying and laughing at the fact that Santiago Dama played. okay. Well, let me just explain to you while Salty Aldama played. It's not because Taylor Jenkins just looks down the the bench and says, huh, how can I lose them the game? No, he thinks, how can I put in a player who keeps the rest of the lineup, keeps the rest of the players fresh? Who do I look to? Zaire is out. John Morant is out. They're both going to continue to be out tonight against the, the Thunder. So you're going to see pretty much the same rotation. You're not going to see Killian Tilly against them. You're not going to see Jerick Culver against them. You're not going to see XT against them as well. Those three are going to continue to sit out. You're going to see John Conchar play under 15 minutes. You're going to see Santi Aldama play under 15 minutes. And what I thought was very important at Taylor Jenkins talked about is he wanted to reward Santiago for putting in the work and practice away from the camera, off the court when the games are going. The practice time—it's very important. What this chance does for Santiago in his limited 15 minutes is one—he's not losing the Grizzlies the games. He was a minus four overall realistically I would trade the minus four for having to put one of these other players to take more of his minutes because the reason is it's not that Brandon Clark can't play 18 minutes You add two to him Kyle Anderson 21 minutes John Conchar, 13 minutes Deanthony Melton 19 minutes it's not that they can't play those minutes it allows you to keep the same rotations for the most part as you would when Ja gets back as you would When uh, Zaire Williams gets back, it allows you to gain faith with a player who is very young looking to get better. It allows you to see him as a front office. It allows you to see him as a coach. It allows the fans to see him. It allows him to see himself on an NBA court. These minutes, these 15 minutes or less, are not that big of a deal. He's playing within himself. He took four, uh, six shots overall, four uh, three-pointers. He went one of six, okay? He missed all four three-pointers. And still, he was only a minus four. That just shows you that just in these limited minutes, as long as he's not turning the ball over, which he had zero turnovers, that's really the most important thing. He's As long as he's not hurting you defensively, and as long as he's not hurting you on offense with turning the ball over, he's someone that you can play. It allows the rotation to stay the same. It allows that you, as a coach, to gain faith in a player who isn't going to play for a long, long stretch of the season. The season's long. He won't play. It allows him to kind of open up a little bit. So I love that. It was very important to see that happen. And I think that going to the future, Santiago Dama will be bought in even more because he knows that when his time comes, he's going to get some playing time. Very important. I like that move. The Grizzlies, as I said earlier, wire-to-wire win, 98-91. And the five-minute mark in the third quarter was big. They were they were getting the, uh, the lead cut down to one. They were going back and forth. But the main important thing that I want to look at is that they continue to answer the bell. A lot of times when you get punched in the mouth, when they went on that 7-0 run, when the, when the Grizzlies were, were up at 17 points at one point, and then, the, then they chip away, and then the Grizzlies stabilized. And then the Tr- Toronto Raptors sh- uh, chip away again, and the Grizzlies stabilized. That third quarter was very important. You saw that a lot of times what they did is make sure they got to the basket. They kept getting away from getting into the lane, creating the havoc, kicking out, or going to the lane and getting a foul or a layup. They quit doing that and in the third quarter they decided I have to get to the basket because we are not playing well we are not shooting well and a lot of that was you know Desmond Bain did not shoot at all in the third quarter he didn't score so that has to change but it was a very good game overall the Grizzlies are now 2-0 without Ja Uh, we predicted that uh, they would either be 2-1 or 1-2 I predicted two and one. Ryan predicted one and two. I think this is a very important game tonight against the Thunder. The Grizzlies are favored by nine points, okay? As long as they don't play like the Memphis Tigers, shots fired. As long as they don't play like that, I I believe that this team has a really good chance to win this game. And how you win this game is get up early on the Thunder. The Thunder are playing on a back-to-back. All right, they have to travel to Memphis from Oklahoma City. It's not that long of a flight, but they just played last night, and they're not a good team. They rely on mainly two to three players to play heavy, heavy minutes. Shea Gilgis Alexander and Lou Dort play heavy minutes. Darius Baisley he's struggling. He's playing 20 minutes at times. Sometimes he'll get 30 minutes, but most of the time he's in the 20s. Like this team is not playing well at all. We have to get on them early. If you get on a team that isn't playing well, a team that isn't expected to play well early like they did on the Toronto Raptors and like they did on the Kings, this game could be over by halftime because they don't want to continue to push Shea, considering his injuries from past seasons, They don't want to continue to push him after he just played a large amount of minutes. They're not worried about the Memphis Grizzlies. They're not worried about taking a loss. They'd actually rather have a loss and have an excuse as to why they don't have to play their better players. You get on this team early, they will fold. The biggest thing they can do is get out and transition. And how you get out and transition is create havoc on defense. And how do you create havoc on defense? is you have energy and you're active with your hands. That's the most important thing that this team has done is they created a defensive mind when Ja went out. Now you have guys flying all over the the floor and playing much better. So I want to see that continue to happen. That continues to happen. They will turn the ball over and the Grizzlies will get out and transition, which is the best thing for them because we want to get into the paint. Let's talk about our offense a little bit. When we started off last game, we were getting into the high post to Stephen Adams, and he was able to to dish it. Uh, you know, when when players would run by him, he can screen with the ball and then give that kind of backhand ha- handoff or dump off to the weak side, or you know, if the guy is continuously cutting toward the basket, that is what they need to continue to do. How that works is when Tyus passes into Stephen Adams, he moves; he doesn't stay there. He moves and lets someone else rotate out of their spot. That creates movement, which creates the defense having to pay attention to each and every player. Back screens happen. So much action is going on on offense that the defense doesn't really know what's going on. The Grizzlies, they kind of got caught a little bit. They went back to the more jaw style offense that I've talked about, which is fine when you have John Morant. John Morant is a incredible player, future all-star. He's a really, really good ball handler, someone who's a great threat to get to the paint. He's also shooting very well. Well, the same thing you can say for Tyus Jones and the Melton. they just don't have the explosion that Ja has. They're not as big of a threat, but they can do something different with passing and moving. They got caught again with doing the whole dribble, 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 let's get a screen, I'm going to use the screen and then try to weasel my way into the post and shoot a floater or dumping it off to someone who's wide open. They got caught doing that way too much. There was too much standing around and honestly, the Raptors, they were stepping with one foot in the paint and there was literally, they were just waiting for you to come into the paint and then kind of trap you. And at that point, you either had to throw something up or kick it out to a guy who potentially was or was not open, and then when we were shooting bad, that didn't help at all. So I'd like to see a little bit more offensive flow tonight against the Thunder. That's all that it really needs to do. And if they continue to play defense with energy and active hands, I think this is a game that the Grizzlies could take you know away, and it could be out of reach pretty early. If you let the Thunder hang around, and they're hanging around by the third quarter, the game's going to be tight. It's a nine point uh spread. So I I don't know how the Grizzlies, you know, will come out, but if they do come out, that I really like that nine. That nine number is dangerous because that's a big that's a big win. If you're gonna hit the nine, you probably might as well take it up and take an alternate line and take minus thirteen or minus fourteen. Like that's how I feel about that line. Nine really scares me because I think the game could be a six to six to eight point game easily. So if it is a nine point game, more than likely the game's out of hand anyway. So you might as well take your chances on a much higher, you know, plus number at a minus 14. That's, that's probably what I would do if I was betting on that because that nine is just, that worries me. So we'll see tonight, but Shea, you know, he scored 39 points in a loss last night. He's throwing up 26 shots. He's going to shoot the ball. And if the ball is falling for him, the shot's falling for him, then 100% they will be in the game. But if you can kind of keep him at bay, then no, nobody else on this team will hurt you. Lou Dort had 19 points, 4 of 8 from 3. He's going to continue to shoot the 3-point, and Grizzlies don't guard the 3-point line well, even now. But I expect that the Grizzlies will do a much better against this team who, in all honesty, they're not deep and they're not that great. Josh Giddy is out. Derek Favors is out. Kenrich Williams is out. Those three guys play for them. Josh Giddy is very good for this team. And with him being out, they don't look as dynamic. They, their athleticism isn't great, even though Josh Giddy, I wouldn't say he's athletic, but he is very good for this team. So I think it's very important that they jump on them early, like I said. And if they are able to do that, we're going to see that record that the Thunder have of six and fifteen go to six and 16. Speaking of the Grizzlies, they are 11 and 10 and fifth in the West. Fifth, baby. Even without jaw, they're hanging on and they are fifth. Everybody five through 10 is practically within a game or two. So there's so much movement with a win or a loss. Uh, So I, I hope that this team shows up early because I would love to see us go 12 and 10 win the first two games of the week and take the pressure off going to Dallas. Dallas is a very hit or miss team. They can play really well at times. They can play really bad at times. I think they're one of the more overrated teams along with the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers are not playing well at all and they showed that they had an easy schedule early on. Someone else who had an easy schedule, maybe not an opponent's, but really there wasn't much travel and when they did travel, there was no back-to-backs. Well, you're getting more back-to-backs now, Mavericks. That's what they're having to see a little bit more of. Even though the Mavericks will be on a back-to-back, they're still going to have both games at home. So there's no travel involved. It's just they're having to go back and back, and that back-to-back is against the Pelicans, who after JV had that great game, shot seven three-pointers in the first half, seven of seven in the first half. He hasn't done much. The Pelicans haven't done much. They are going the wrong direction, and the Mavericks put them away. The last time they played so I expect the Mavericks to put them away again what's kind of I'm looking at with the with the Mavericks is they play well at home they're six and three at home and five and six on the road that could be really the the opponents but let's look at what's going on with their team this last game they had Tim Hardaway coming off the bench okay you're always going to have Luka Doncic and, and Porzingis as their main two players Well, Dwight Powell, sometimes he doesn't play. Sometimes he plays under 10 minutes. He was starting last game. Bullock was starting, and he'd been on the bench, so maybe they're switching out Hardaway and Bullock. And then Finney Smith, he's continued to start, but he doesn't really do much scoring. He does a little bit of the other stuff, but there's not much scoring. The scoring is heavily involved with Doncic and Porzingis. And so if you can kind of keep them at bay and not allow some of these other players to go off, I feel like this Mavericks team is ready to be beat. So I'm looking at this at this Mavericks team as a, a game that the Grizzlies take care of business with the Thunder. They have a day of rest with travel. Not, not crazy. But if they can get on the Thunder and get their guys a rest and play everyone, then they're able to be just as fresh, if not more fresh, than the Mavericks are, who are coming off a back-to-back at home. So I, I don't, I don't know about this game as much because I don't think the Mavericks know about their team. They're so Jekyll and Hyde, and just by looking at you know Mavs Twitter, it really is just Jekyll and Hyde everywhere. So I think this team is really exactly that because some of these players, Kleber, Brunson, who who's excellent, very good. Sterling Brown, Willie Cauley-Stein's been hurt and he's been day-to-day, so I'm not sure if he plays. But I like our matchup against them. And the reason is, is because I feel like Dylan Brooks can play well enough against Doncic. Doncic's still a great player. He's still gonna score his 25 plus points. Poor Zingas, he has played much better as of late. But we have our own unicorn. We have our guy who can play against them in Trip. And so I believe that we match up really good against that team. And so I, I I feel good going down to Dallas. It would be a very important game for us because, yes, they are higher than us. And why not go ahead and continue to keep beating all these teams that are in the West because we now gain the advantage of, against Denver and and the Clippers as of now. So why not let's add Dallas to it, who is now fourth in the standings, they probably are going to take a win against the Pelicans. And so no matter win or loss, they're going to stay above the Grizzlies since they are a half game up already. But the Grizzlies have a chance to make that tiebreaker statement now. So I'm curious to see how it goes uh, against this team. But I'm really, really excited that the Grizzlies have a chance. They have a great chance to win these next two games. And so... We'll hit more on, on reviewing a lot of these games uh, later on our next podcast that comes out Monday. But I want to go ahead and get this in since the Grizzlies are playing well and we have two games uh, coming up. I figured we just break those two games down and kind of you know review what happened in Toronto because the Grizzlies they're they're gaining a lot of steam, and what I've said is this might be a blessing in disguise, mainly. Let's let Jaw rest his mentals, right? Sometimes when you know you're you're a budding superstar, you get kind of you know stretched thin. This might allow Ja to really sit back and see what his teammates can do, which allows him to trust them even more. Not saying he doesn't, it allows him to trust him, his teammates even more. Like the strength of this team could be within his teammates. And not so much having to rely so much on jaw. We won't have to do you know, jaw, dribble, get the pick, and potentially create so much. We can create the movement with jaw as well. Plus, it rests his body. Jaw's going to get back right. And he's going to come back. And this team's going to be even better. This chance allows this team, like Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, D'Anthony Melton, lets them sharpen their offensive skills. And maybe, just maybe, they're finding their place on the defensive end. That could be very important Is this team come together defensively. And when Ja comes back, add him to the rotation, and we continue to get back to where we were. We were a much better team last year defensively, and I think that's what's on the horizon for this team. But that's all we have. You can check out me. I will be on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast coming up. So stay tuned. Um, I'm not sure exactly when it's coming out. The rumor is potentially this weekend. So there could be uh, that come out. Just stay tuned to the Grizz lead at Grizz underscore lead. A lot of cool things coming out on that. And so we'll update you there where I might be on the Locked On Grizzlies. Uh, But that's all we have. Make sure you're checking out. Any kind of bets that we have at Bet the Lead as well as the Leeds Podcast Network. A lot of cool things happening. I have some stuff up my sleeve on the Podcast Network as well as here at Grizz 901. We have some people that are going to come on at some point. We're just waiting for the right time. I'm waiting to see some of these other teams that they have more of an effect on when we play them. I want to make sure we have them on so we can hear more of an insight on their home team so that's all we have have a great week have a great weekend be nice and tell your friends